Hey, welcome everybody. It's time once again for another episode of WVU Marketing Communications Today. Brought to you by the good folks at West Virginia's Marketing Communications Online Graduate Programs. So listen as we explore the unique Marcom strategies that will help you inform, persuade, and inspire your audiences with our host, who always does all three, Michael Lynch. Hey, sir. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm good. You look all bundled up. You got your WVU sweatshirt on here. It must be cold in Chicago. It is a little bit brisk, not quite as warm as it's been for the last few weeks, but the seasons have finally changed up here. <laughs> I'm in California. They say it never changes, but there's a subtle change. You know, the stuff doesn't fall out of the sky, at least uh, not the white stuff here, but uh, <laughs> it, does, it does change a little bit here. So we're waiting for that to happen. This is still hot here. Yeah, we're changing our leaves and we're changing our clothes and we're changing just about everything up here. So, yeah, it's just well, let's, getting ready for the winter. Well, let's change the subject and get into today's oh, topic, yeah. how a history major got into motorsports PR. I want to hear this because I'm a big fan of motorsports. I grew up in the Motor City and I was a history major, too. This subject likewise fascinated me an awful lot. I am incredibly pleased today to have David Hovis, who is the marketing communications manager for Team Penske. So, David, first of all, I don't want to take up the whole time talking about this, but I know Team Penske is into a number of different types of racing or styles of racing, and I just get so confused. There's stock cars, there's Indy cars, there's truck racing, there's IMSA, whatever IMSA stands for. I mean, what different kind of racing platforms are you involved with? Well, first of all, thank you, Michael, for having me as a guest today. I work for Team Penske, and we are a large motorsports team based in Mooresville, North Carolina, just north of Charlotte. And we do compete in many different series and classes. Uh, NASCAR, people I'm probably most familiar with, the NASCAR Cup Series, where we have three cars in that. NASCAR Xfinity Series, where we have one full-time car in that. NTT IndyCar Series, which we have three cars that most people closely identify with Indianapolis 500. There is a full-on season schedule outside of just the Indy 500 that make up that series, and we've been the most successful team in that for quite a number of years now. IMSA, which is what I currently work in as a marketing communications manager, which is sports car racing. If anyone's familiar with the 24-hour Le Mans or that soft Ford versus Ferrari, now that was a long time ago at Le Mans, but that's what those cars resemble here in America. And then we also race in Australia in the supercar series with DJR Team Penske. Obviously, those cars aren't based in Mooresville, North Carolina, but we've, we've won a number of consecutive championships in that series as well. Wow, that is great. Thank you for going over that. I just got to wonder, first of all, what made you decide to study history as your undergraduate? And subsequently, how does a history major end up working for a racing company? Well, history has always been something that's been very much of an interest to me. You know, back in the day, 20, 30 years ago when I was in college, I wish I'd have gone in with more of a specific goal in mind of what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I really didn't know. So history is something that, you know, by default almost ended up with that degree because it was something that was very much of interest to me. I just wanted to get a degree and also go into the workforce, which is kind of what you were able to do in the mid-90s and earlier than that, not so much these days. So that's what I did. I graduated with my history degree. And, you know, being from North Carolina, born and bred, went to the University of North Carolina at Charlotte as my undergrad. You can't throw a rock without probably hitting somebody that either works in 
NASCAR specifically or knows somebody that knows somebody that does. So once I graduated, I was lucky enough to meet a former NASCAR Cup Series driver that through a fraternity brother of mine, we became friendly. He asked me to come work for him uh, on a personal level, which I did for a couple of years. And once I got in there and saw you know, how marketing, communications, and public relations worked in the Cup Series, I thought, well, you know, that's something that I feel like I could do, you know, even though I didn't have a an education background in marketing and communications, I, I felt like I could pick up on it fairly easily. So that's what I did. I just kind of studied and learned and was always taking mental notes and was able to gradually turn that into a traveling public relations gig that has basically in one way or another led me to where I am today in my 11th year at Team Penske. Wow. Yeah, one so I'm the perfect media. example to go back. I'm, I'm sorry, the perfect example of networking and the importance of, of networking and on-the-job training, just as much as educational background. Don't get me wrong. That's, that's important, too. I think they both go hand-in-hand, hand, where I was lucky enough to network and get on-the-job training. Absolutely. Yeah, one of my favorite comedians, Paula Poundstone, has this joke. She says, why do adults ask kids what they want to be when they grow up? And she said, because adults are looking for ideas. <laughs> and very much similarly, when I started my undergraduate work, I didn't know what I wanted to be or what I wanted to do anyway. But very similar between you and me, you decided to go back and get your master's degree after 16 years. And I decided after 12 or so years. So what made you decide to go back and complete a master's degree? For that very reason that I was just talking about, that my education per se in marketing communications, you know, as it relates to motorsports and professional sports came through experience on the job. I did not have that formal educational training in marketing communications. And that's something that always stuck with me. It always made me, in certain decisions that needed to be made, always made me kind of second guess myself because I didn't have a training to fall back on. Am I doing this right? Is this the right decision to make? So Team Pinsky has a great tuition reimbursement program that allows you to go back to school. So after him and hauling over that decision for a while, I decided to, to go back and do it. And I've honestly, one of the best decisions I've personally ever made, it was the WVU IMC program online is a fantastic program. It allows you to be able to hold down a full-time job, which my full-time job when I first started was also traveling just about every weekend of the year. So it's very easy to do. And now I feel like I have that formal education to go with the hands-on experience that I've had from over 15 years in the business. Perfect. Well, tell me what is, and I know there probably is no such thing as a typical day with Team Penske, but what would a typical day for David look like? In the current role that I am with with our IMSA program, I kind of work as both a marketing manager and a communications manager in the something like the NASCAR Cup Series. That role would be split up. Typically, you'll have somebody that works in PR communications, somebody that works in marketing, but it mine could vary anywhere from working on a national television campaign with Acura that we did, actually we did last year, two of our drivers, Elio Castroneves and Juan Pablo Montoya, who people probably most familiar with from our IMSA roster drivers. I took part in a national Acura campaign last year over the winter into the 2020 season. So it could be anything from massaging and working on scripts and things of that nature to answering emails or pitching interview opportunities for the next race coming up, writing website content. That's what I did this morning, writing content for our website and anything in between. Yeah, I know some aspects of motorsports have kind of ebbed and flowed. I know that NASCAR 
was just rapidly popular for a number of years, and I'm not really sure if that has ebbed yet. I try to get to the Indy 500 as often as I possibly can, being in the Midwest, and there's never a shortage of people there, except for, of course, this year. But what have been the right. biggest changes that you've seen? You've been at this for a little while. So what are the biggest changes you've seen in sports public relations and sports marketing? Probably the biggest thing that I've seen, and I don't think I would be alone if you asked other motorsports marketing communication professionals or in any other sport, the biggest thing is the rise of social media and the ability to self-promote, you know, to be honest, quite frankly, turn yourself and or your race team into your own almost news outlet and content generating entity more so than when I first started in this in 2005. And I see that continuing, you know, well on in, into the future as newsrooms have shrunk, as, you know, social media influencers have risen, almost a benefit if you are able to combine your digital efforts and your social media efforts to turn yourself into your own news outlet of yourself to promote yourself to generate your own content and to push that out via social media and other avenues that can then be picked up and amplified by influencers and or the other media members that cover your sport or sports in general. To me, that's been quite possibly the biggest game changer as far as marketing and public relations in all of sports in the last 15 years. Okay, before we go to break, I just got a question. What happens to you or what happens in sports marketing, if let's say Helio Castroneves gets on Dancing with the Stars, or if Will Power wins, which is another one of your racers, wins the Indy 500? I mean, how does that change your day-in, day-out job? Well, it can change it you know, quite a bit because you're looked at as the Indianapolis 500 winner for the rest of the year, so that automatically puts more eyeballs on you for the rest of the schedule. We don't have that problem that much with Elio because all the eyeballs are on him all the time anyway, more so for Nancy with stars than being a three-time Indy 500 champion. So let's go ahead and take a little break. And when we get back, I'd love to hear about what you consider to be some of your most rewarding experiences since you've been doing this. Absolutely. Okay. And while we tease you with that, let's tease you with some other ideas here as well. WVU's Integrate Conference, it's moved online, only makes sense. Everything else has. Marketing communications experts from a variety of industries are exploring how and what to say during this unprecedented global pandemic. You can view the schedule and tune into the live virtual sessions. Just write this down, integrate.wvu.edu. That's the West Virginia University's famous Integrate Conference. It's online this year, and you can find out all about it at integrate.wvu.edu. Okay, don't put your pen down because we got one more for you here. West Virginia University's new Digital Marketing Communications Master's Degree Program. It's fully online as well and can be completed in one year. With built-in certifications from platforms like Google and Facebook, the program gives you both the strategy and skills you need to reach audiences today on existing and emerging media, just what our guest was talking about here. Learn more at marketingcommunications.wvu. Dot edu. That's marketingcommunications.wvu.edu. Okay, back to Michael and his guest. Excellent. Well, thank you so very much. David, I kind of teed this up before we went to break, but what are some of the most rewarding experiences, some of the most rewarding things that have happened to you since you've been 
in sports marketing or since you've been with Team Penske? Well, I think the two that come to mind and both happened since I've been at Team Penske. Team Penske has been racing since 1966, and we didn't win our first NASCAR Cup Series championship. We had won plenty of Indy 500s, plenty of Indy car races, plenty of sports car races. We even had won a Formula One race in the mid-70s as the last American constructor, as they call it, to win a Formula One race. But we'd never won a NASCAR Cup Series championship. And the driver that I was with for six of my 11 years at Team Penske, Brad Keselowski, was able to finally win Roger Penske's first NASCAR Cup Series championship in 2012. And it was almost, we were a little bit of an underdog because we were going up against Jimmy Johnson during almost the height of his dominant reign through the Cup Series. I think he had already won five championships and was going on to win two more, if I'm not mistaken. So to be able to best him for the championship in 2012 and give Mr. Penske his first title that night at Homestead, Miami Speedway, was something that I will personally never forget. And then the second one is probably in 2016, we celebrated the 50-year anniversary of Team Penske with a year-long celebration through marketing, PR, social media, digital efforts. But it kicked off with a big gala in downtown Charlotte where we had Everybody that's driven for Team Penske over the 50 years that is still with us in town in Charlotte for a big event to kick off the year-long celebration that we were getting ready to roll out. So to be able to be a part of that, a part of Roger Penske's 50-year anniversary was pretty special, too. Sounds very exciting, but not to uh, kind of move into a downer sort of subject here, but I had to miss the Indy 500 this year because they didn't let anybody sit in the stands. And we just got notification that the IndyCar race and the NASCAR race is not coming to the Chicago Motor Speedway this year. So how has Team Penske really been affected by or how have they adapted to the coronavirus pandemic? Well, to start off with, in January of this year, Mr. Penske and the newly created arm of Penske Corporation called Penske Entertainment, Recently, they completed the purchase of Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the IndyCar Series in January. So for the Indy 500 to be having to be run without fans was a very tough decision for Mr. Penske because of the high regard he holds for that race, for the mystique and the tradition and the pageantry that includes the fans. He holds that in such high regard that that was a very tough decision for him to have to make. So number one, we were up close front and center to that decision on a smaller level, but obviously it's a part of our company that now are the stewards of Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But for me personally, the coronavirus means no travel. I've only traveled to one race this year, and that was the first IMSA race, 24 hours of Daytona. Since then, it's been working remotely. And I think a lot of us have figured out and improved upon the ways where you can work remotely. It's always going to be more beneficial if you're actually at the events you're covering. But when the situation arises, it's become clear that it can be done. It can be done with uh, less of a crew and done just as well if need be from a remote location. Now, I'd rather be at the racetrack covering the race, but it's been obviously the biggest change thanks to coronavirus is the lack of travel. Now, I'm going to ask you to, again, pull your crystal ball out from under your desk here for a second. When this pandemic has passed, and it will pass, will things get back to normal? Will you be traveling again? Will people really be on site as much? Or 
do you think we've gotten kind of a new paradigm here, kind of a new way of doing things where this is the way it is now? I don't want to speak for NASCAR or IndyCar or IMSA, but I would obviously think that there are going to be some changes and shifts in the way things are done. I don't know if I would call it a paradigm shift, but I think you will see some of the protocols and processes that have been forced into place because of the pandemic will stick around. I don't know which ones those would be, but I do think that it's going to change all sports, not just motorsports, but all sports. So again, what, what that's going to look like moving forward into 2021, I'm not sure. I'm actually hopeful to maybe go to a, one of the last couple IMSA races this year, as long as there are no big outbreaks, big spikes in cases within the team or within the IMSA series. I'm hoping to get to a couple by the end of the year. Certainly, I do think there will be some changes for 2021. A quick question, and I know this might not be the fairest question, but how are shifting demographics, how are the changes in just the makeup of America, how is that affecting the racing community right now in from a point of view of fans? I don't know that it's had a huge effect, what we've seen in 2020. You may have seen that Michael Jordan announced that he will be starting a NASCAR Cup Series team with Denny Hamlin for the 2021 season. So obviously Michael Jordan brings a different audience from his NBA playing days that normally watch NASCAR racing, but him growing up in North Carolina down in Wilmington, he's been a NASCAR fan all his life. His parents used to take him to races, so he's excited about this new venture with he and Diddy Hamlin with Bubba Wallace as their driver. That will bring about a fairly significant and welcomed new audience to NASCAR racing, and I'm sure the folks down at Daytona Beach were pretty happy when that announcement was made. Oh, yeah. I will tell you, having lived in North Carolina for a while myself, and you and I have had this conversation, it's hard to go too far, particularly if you're in western North Carolina, without running into some form of racing. There is one thing, though, that I do see growing, is that is university programs in sports marketing and sports management and that sort of change or that sort of offering in universities that wasn't there before. So what would you suggest to someone who is thinking about going into sports marketing or public relations or just making a shift in their career? Right now, there's the program of find something new as many jobs are shifting and changing and some disappearing. So what would your advice be to someone who's getting ready to shift gears, so to speak? No pun intended. (laughs) As it relates to motorsports in general, I would tell them to you know, be prepared to start off and do anything that they could to get their foot in the door. It's really hard, and that's something that my eyes have been open to more in the past few years than maybe they ever have been, is how hard it really is now to get into the marketing and communications department of race teams. There aren't many of us. There are more football teams and Major League Baseball teams than there are you know, the top NASCAR Cup Series teams or the IndyCar teams that you identify with those particular series. So I would say be persistent, get as much experience as you can, whether that's at the local level. A lot of people that are going to make career change don't want to drop down and try to grab experience working at your local short track if your local short track is even up and running these days, and a lot of them have gone by the wayside. But that's kind of what you have to do is just to build upon that experience Stay on top of social media and the changing landscape and environment of social media. That's always going to be something that you can hang your hat on. 
Well, I want to tell you that today I have been absolutely delighted to have as my guest David Hovis, who is the Marketing Communications Manager for Team Penske. I hope that the audience has enjoyed this conversation as much as I have, being a huge sports fan. Always fun to talk about sports marketing and public relations. So again, thank you so much, David. And I hope everyone has a wonderful day and stay safe and stay well out there. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Communications Today, brought to you live from West Virginia University, a weekly program that sits at the intersection of data-driven decision-making and marketing practice, only on the Funnel Radio Network, for at-work listeners like you.